Turn in your Bible, please, to 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. We're detouring from our study in 1 Corinthians for a little while tonight as we come to this important Wednesday night before the revival meeting. This is a night of prayer. And I appreciate Brother Lloyd singing that wonderful song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. You remember that Solomon had become king in Israel. The first king was Saul, then his son Ishbosheth, and then David. When David went to be with the Lord, the Bible calls it being gathered to his people. Sometime I want to bring a message on what on that phrase in the Old Testament, gathered to his people. But after David was gathered to his people or died, God raised up Solomon. Now Solomon had a lot of strikes against him. He was the son of Bathsheba. Most of you know the story of Bathsheba and David. But how wonderful to know that God gives additional opportunities and chances. For many years, one of the greatest pastors in Kentucky, I would not mention his name tonight, but he was an illegitimate son, grew up in West Tennessee, and God moved in on his life, and he touched the lives of thousands of people. So I want to tell you, you do not have to live under the circumstances. You do not have to live under your past. God gives second, third, fourth opportunities. And with Solomon, God made him the king. Matter of fact, one of David's sons, tried, two of them tried to raise a, an insurrection. And God said, uh, David, that's not to be the king. You get up from your sickbed and anoint Solomon. And Solomon became king. Well... God gave Solomon the opportunity of building the temple in Jerusalem. David had collected all the material, but God said, David, you're a man of war. And I, I'm not going to let you build the temple, but your son can do it. So David had all the materials, all the gold and all the wood and the cedars of Lebanon and everything was there. And then God gave Solomon the opportunity to build the temple. He built it. They had a tremendous, tremendous dedication. They had a choir of 4,000. They had an instrumental orchestra of 4,000. They met for seven days in that dedication. And the people sort of camped out, like the camp meeting we had down here at Russellville years ago at the uh, Red River Meeting House at the turn of the 1700s to 1800s when uh, they just sort of had a prayer meeting and pretty soon hundreds of people began to come and the second great awakening began in Logan County, Kentucky. Well, it was like that. And they were so excited. And they just were singing and, and preaching and just having a great time. And the Shekinah glory of God came down on that temple. Wonderful. For years and years before that, they had worshipped in a tabernacle in the wilderness. And now for the first time, 
the Jews have a temple. The Israel, the nation of Israel has a temple. You know there's no temple in Jerusalem now. That temple was destroyed in 70 AD. The Bible seems to predict that there's coming a time at the close of the age during maybe uh, the tribulation, the first part of it, the temple will be rebuilt. The leader called the Antichrist will make an unholy alliance with the Jews and will permit them to build a temple again. And then he will turn on them. We don't get into that tonight. But this is just a little bit about that temple. It was the most magnificent building in the world. Uh, other, some people believe it was it outshined the Taj Mahal in India. It was magnificent. And the Queen of Sheba came to see it. She said, I've heard all about your glory and all about this building and this city and so on. And when I came to see it, I want to tell you, Solomon, not half was told. That's what we're going to say about heaven one day when we get there. We read all about heaven, talked about it, sung about it. When we get home to heaven, we're going to say, Lord, we didn't tell half of it, didn't know half of it. Well, anyway, right in the middle of the, of the dedication, and, and God sort of called Solomon aside. He said, now, Solomon, there's going to come a time, people don't live on a cloud. They don't live up there on the, on the mountains all the time. They live in the valleys. They live on the plateaus. And he said, now there's going to come a time when the people are not as excited about the things of God as they are right now. He said, there'll come sin in the camp. And there'll come discouragement and defeat. And, uh, and they'll just get used to it. And there'll be business as usual. He said, here's what you're to do, Solomon. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. That's the formula, Solomon. And through all the centuries that followed, If you'll notice, the Jews went into idolatry. Sometimes they went into captivity. They were up and down and up and down and up and down. But when the prophets would remind them of this passage and they'd come back in confession of their sins and pray and seek the face of the Lord, God did what he said he would do. If my people, this is the formula for resurgence, this is a formula for renewal. This is a formula for revival. This is a formula to get us out of the doldrums, to get us out of the law of the averages, to get us out of just nominal average living and to get it, bring us back up where God wants us to be. If my people, now keep in mind you have to be God's people. The only people that are God's people are those that are saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have been born again 
We're hearing a lot today that all religions are the same. That the Muslim religion is just a religion of peace and it's as good as Christianity. And when Jerry Vines at the Southern Baptist Convention made the statements that he made concerning Muhammad and the Muslim position and indicated that Muslim was not as good as Christianity because nobody gets to heaven without Jesus. Boy, the press attacked him. Other groups attacked him. The CBF. That's our brothers who were part of the Southern Baptist Convention and don't like the conservative resurgence and they've started their own little group, the CBFers. They were against Jerry Vines. They were against this position. But I want to tell you, there is no faith in the world that will get you to heaven but the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if my people, which are called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves. That means we get off the hobby horse of, of know-it-allism and egotism and conceit and uh, business as usual. And we just get along fine. Uh, we don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to do anything. We've got everything in motion. We've got the laws going and we can just do it all ourselves. The scripture says, if my people called by my name will humble themselves. Folks, we need to humble ourselves here at Glendale. Those who listen by radio need to humble ourselves in God's presence. Pride goes before a fall. A haughty spirit before destruction. You and I can't get along without God. We can't get along in our own strength. If my people called by my, my name will humble themselves, only God can reveal to each of us what that means in our own lives. Humility. What is humility in your life? What would you need to do to humble yourselves? Only God can, can tell you. I can't. I'm not a mind reader or a heart reader. I can just tell you what God says. And God says we need to humble ourselves, whatever that means. That means we're not always right. That means that the way we do things are not always the best way to do things. We need to humble ourselves and wait on the Lord. And then he says, not only humble yourself, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. That means repent. Do you know we have wicked hearts? You don't have to nod your head, but how many of you know you have a wicked heart? When you find out that your heart is wicked, you'll be on your way to repentance and humility. Most people don't really realize that. They don't know we have a wicked heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and wicked, exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? Even when we get saved, we have an old nature that's wicked. We love things that God said we should not love. That's the reason so much worldly living. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, all these things making inroads in the Christian life. If we'll turn from our wicked ways and we'll pray, earnestly pray 
talk to God from our hearts, confess every known sin. Then God says, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. America needs healing. We've had more light than any nation on earth. But when we ignore that light, some of you remember, and you don't like this because you think it's somebody, government telling you what to do, but there was a day when we had blue laws that kept things closed on Sunday. Any of you remember that? You say, well, we can't get along with everything being open on Sunday. We got along then, didn't we? I don't think that it's necessary to do our shopping on the Lord's Day. Go buy our shirts and our clothes and our shoes on the Lord's Day. But anyway, this is just one area where there's a looseness and God's people have, have somehow the sharp cutting edge of our spiritual life has been dulled. And we're not as effective and influential as once we were. Sometimes we just give up to sin. Maybe we don't give up to it ourselves. We give up to a society that's filled with sin. The liquor traffic is one of the number one problems in America today. And who has enough spiritual spunk to stand against it? If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. What other wicked ways do we have? How about jealousy? How about gossip? How about negativism? How about stealing somebody's reputation by tearing them down? A lot of people do that. They can hardly wait to tell some mean, ugly thing they've heard about somebody. Listen. Do you know there are a lot of things that you know about somebody else that ought to go to the grave with you? You don't need to go talking about it. When you do that, it sort of elevates you and makes you feel like you're better than they are. And that's wicked. If my people called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, then he said, I'll heal from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, I'll heal their land. Let's pray for America. Wouldn't it be wonderful if revival could start right here in my heart and your heart? Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to sing that in a moment. Revive us again. And friend, if you really want revival in your heart, ask God for it. How do you love somebody else? You ask God for that love. It's not normal for us to love. We're selfish. Ask God for that love. How do you care about souls? Ask God to put that on your heart. How do you love giving to the work of the Lord? And incidentally, that's a wicked sin in the lives of many people. We spend our money on everything else and hold it back from God. That's wickedness. How do you get yourself conditioned to love to give? <laughs> Ask God. 
How does a husband restore his love for his wife? Ask God. I would say most husbands that are unfaithful to their wives don't pray about it. They just do it because it feels good. Most wives that are unfaithful to their husbands, they don't pray about it. They just do it because it feels good. Most teenagers that participate in premarital sex, they don't say, now, Lord, is this what you want me to do? They just do it because it feels good. See, the wickedness of our hearts. If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And you say, well, suppose I've already messed up. Solomon messed up. David messed up. Mark messed up. God used him to write the second gospel. We serve the God of a second chance. Tonight, as we pray, we do what God leads you to do, each of us individually. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment. There may be some who would like to come and just kneel at the altar and say, Lord, I need a personal revival. Or I want to pray for a revival in our church. I want God's will to be done. We'll wait just a moment. You might want to just kneel before God tonight. Is there anybody who would like to do that? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Lord, you see the burdened hearts tonight. Maybe everyone in this room is kneeling in his heart, humbling ourselves before you. Oh, God. Hear our hearts. Hear our cries. We repent of our sins. We ask you to cleanse us and fill us and heal us. And may we do what God wants. Would you pray this prayer with me right out loud where you are? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's stand, please. What page is revival? 490. 490. Now listen, here's the invitation. First of all, is there anybody here who is not saved? You've never given your heart to Jesus. Why not tonight? Just come and say, Lord, I want Christ in my heart. I want to be saved. I want Jesus in my life. If you're already a Christian, are you serving Him? Has the Holy Spirit touched you in any way tonight that you ought to make a commitment to the Lord? Somebody here, maybe God is calling you into His service. Would you offer yourself to Him? While we sing this great song, and don't drag it, sing it with vibrance and big while we sing.